I came home and ate a bunch of gummies, like yeah. not like candy gummies, candy gummies. Yeah, well, that's I like the Harboro. Yes, yes, but reminds me of home. Um, in in the African lands, they have more of the Harbo. It's all UK, baby. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. So you had the better chocolate too. Like we, the had the Cadbury, we had the we had the Cadbury's. I lost a tooth at the Cadbury's factory. Whoa, we've talked about that. haven't we, we had a mild talk about this, but in my head, the I've, vision I'm seeing now is you like trying to Augustus glue your fingers. Yeah, into the that's pots really of what it was. I pulled. Uh, y'all don't have them over here. They're called chocolate eclairs. It's caramel with okay. chocolate in the middle. Oh my gosh! And I pulled that. They're typically like really hard, and so yeah. you suck through the caramel, and then the chocolate's in the middle. Right, it's like a soft surprise. I pulled one. Yeah, exactly. Soft <laughs> surprise. Uh, I pulled one off the conveyor belt, and it was still hot, and my tooth came out with it. With the caramel, with it the just, caramel. That's wow. Mm-hmm. God works in mysterious ways, Peter. <laughs> he really does. Did you just put the caramel back, and now someone got a tooth caramel like it's a prize? I think I kept the caramel and the tooth. Oh my gosh. Because I had swallowed some teeth earlier, yeah. and that's really, like a that child's bronzing me. is the caramel over the tooth. It's like if a child had to bronze something, they would use caramel. That's true. Are you you're saying you caramel over caramel? I guess I do. Okay, well I like it, but I also um, psilocybin over psilocybin. Psilocybin. What if you say caramel? Caramel. 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 What about aluminium? Aluminium is aluminum. What about advertisement? <laughs> advertisement? That's an advertisement, son. Uh, okay, here's another one. What do you call the front part of the car? The front part of the car? Yeah. The engine? The bonnet. The bonnet. Get out of here. You, know you, you call the back? Yeah, I know. That's the boot. Yep. And I know what I call these. <laughs> and I don't know any others. Uh, whenever I think of... Uh, gummy bears I think of Nick Gage because every time I'm with him at like a big show like he doesn't want like Red Bulls to get fired up he doesn't want he wants like, gummy bears he wants gummy bears and sour gummy bears why the man that... likes Haribo gummy bears the best though like why 10 pound bags twisted? what do you mean why is that twisted <laughs> like he likes gummy bears I don't know it's wild it's just like you see Nick Gage you see this hard and tough badass hardcore deathmatch wrestler and he's like yo Effie and you're like holy shit this could be anything you want some gummy bears? And you, and you have to ask because, you know, as much as people would like to uh, sanitize professional wrestling in a lot of ways, which it needs to be sanitized in some ways, there is still... Like literally sanitized. After yeah, yeah, yeah like spray it with disinfectant. Yeah, yeah. No, there is, there is uh, the possibility that if I eat a gummy bear somewhere backstage that it would have uh, THC in it, possibly. True. So I have to ask, I say, Nick Gage, is there, are these special gummy bears? And he just holds up the Haribo bag and he goes, no, man, they're gummy bears. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to have some gummy bears when offered to me by the King Nick Gage. What a, what a legend. What an icon. Uh, I'm coming for Nick Gage. (laughs) I'm sick of people coming up to me and telling me how good my match was with Nick Gage in 2019 uh, when I was, you know, a wee lad. And I'm going to win this rumble on New Year's Eve. Or New Year's Day. I think it's New Year's Day. I can't remember exactly because last year before the Rumble, you know what happened. I went and I had a heartfelt promo. I was in the same brain space I was in previously, which was at this time of year. What did I say to AJ? How did I put it? I said, this time of year, it's hard to know that I just have to keep falling on my head to maintain my legacy. Like you just in wrestling, unfortunately, the game is this: you're here or you're not here. 
And people will go, what happened to that guy? What happened to that girl? And I'm not saying I'm scared of being disappeared forever. I'm not. I have a legacy that I think will last. But when you're also at this time of year where it is cold and I'm very sore and I'm dealing with the fact that I've been wrestling nonstop, this weekend I took off, which good thing and bad thing, had a lot of time to reflect on my wrestling time. But I know entering into that rumble, I was coming out to give a big hoorah promo about, look, I've had some second thoughts. I've had some second guesses. But I'm going to go for it. I want to be the champion. That was my thought at the beginning of 2022. And instead, I was hit with a guitar by Jeff Jarrett, derailing all of my plans. Now, look, Peter, Effie's 2022 was insanely successful from the outside looking in. But by the end of this year, I'm so sick of giving new life to old people that I'm not going to do that anymore. And so when it comes to this rumble and being number one contender to the belt. We know what's going to happen with Tony Deppen. All right. Friday in Los Angeles. I got my own problems. Deppen gauge. I talked to Nick gauge. You know what he said? Tony Deppen needs a little ultra violence. They didn't give him that at ROH. And I was like, have fun. Cause it sounds like you're going to bleed this boy out in Los Angeles and you're still going to have the belt. That's in my opinion, what's going to happen. I could be wrong. Tony Deppen almost fought the kebab guy, correct? Tony Deppen almost okay. fought the kebab guy. This is I went how back, I have to track things. I had a great kebab with that same same guy. Same, same, same guy, same kebab guy, same kebab guy. Great kebab, didn't give me shit. I think there was more to the story, but Tony holds to it that this man was just refusing to hear him out on what toppings he would want on a kebab and served it to him a particular way, which he did not like. That is what caused the concern. Mm. You see, the story builds differently from either perspective, and the story Tony Deppen has is that he's going to out-wrestle Nick Cage and not even let him get to weapons. But Nick Cage is going to get to weapons. Either way, I'm dancing around the fact that I've had so much success this year in things like uh, fighting Jeff Jarrett and fighting John Moxley, which I didn't, I'm not getting John Moxley over. I'm not saying that. But I'm working with George South. Working with there's a lot of legends I worked with this year, and I look now and I go, yeah, of course I could fucking handle and hang and deal with these legends, but now in 2023, I'm only doing what I want to fucking do, and I'm not gonna be goaded into shit. I'm not gonna be goaded into idiots who have tried to steal my clout and tried to follow me around. I'm not gonna be goaded into dumbasses who want to come through and you know beat me up and think that they're gonna get over because of it. It's not gonna work. Number one, let's say July. July? Yeah. What does that mean? Let's move your uh, window of time to this won't be happening after July. Damn. Why do you say this, Peter? I'd because, like to get a little deeper. Because you have, you are, you have had two years back to back where this is your theme. Right. And it that is working off your birthday. Oh. So you have. So like I have to get through this months. June. Yeah, you have to get through June. And you know what? As you say this, what a time. Um, but you have a really good the once you get into the next thing, it's like Effie show from that point. It should be. And I really I like need... this is this is the you're in the labyrinth now, you're fighting the Minotaur. Yeah. You've got a it couple feels more like minotaurs. I'm, there's a few fight. more Minotaurs ahead. Ugh. Very unfortunate to know that. But so far You get out of the maze though. I've been cutting the dicks off these Minotaurs left and right, okay? Because the whispers of my names climb every mountain here. And the people are hearing about it from all places. I Listen, if I worked in corporate wrestling right now, in any capacity, I'd be fucking confused by Effie too. Because everywhere you go, Effie's doing whatever the fuck he wants to do, for the most part. And he's having the most fun. And he's got the longest lines because people want to hang out and talk to Effie. Because much like uh, Jesus, 
we're we're men's of the people, okay? We're not Joel Osteens. We're not up in our castle where you got to give 10% to come look at us through a plexiglass screen and see our fake smiles. We're real human beings. That's what Effie is. So I'm going to try to define my legacy. Friday, though, I I mean, like, this is going to be a rambly podcast. I didn't wrestle this weekend, but I did go through things. I'm going to have to decide with you here, Peter, how much I want to reveal of this weekend. Because I was a real dick. And I got to own it. Sometimes you got to own these things. I feel like if I, if I, uh, if I censor my life to you here, then what am I doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. If we're presenting the realness here, I can't ignore it, but we'll get to that. I do first want to talk about Friday because this has been the match on everyone's lips. Uh, he can't get enough of the bussy. Okay. Now I've dealt with this before when guys get their hands on bussy for the first time. They're unsure of why it makes them feel, number one, complete, number two, euphoric, number three, harney. That's a different term than you think it is. It's actually an old pirate word. We must look for the harney blarney. It's actually where carney came from. The harney carney blarney. That's exactly <laughs> right. Either way, Charles Mason, Chuck Mason. I'm going to call him Chuck Mason disrespectfully. He has this thing about, I guess he wants to like, I don't know. He's kind of a one percenter in a sense. That seems to be the public play. But I think what he really is, is just like he likes manipulating human flesh with violence. And he uses a lot of like kind of weird American psycho ways to do that. And so far he's called you poor a lot, which is like. a Well, and I don't think here's the confusion. It's the angle that he seemingly has is this. And I want to clarify a few of these things. He said, you've got a big Twitch stream. You've got your own clothing line. You're wrestling all the legends. All the articles are about you. You're the top of every list. Why do I always find you hanging out with poor people? This is the question. This is the confusion. This is the great deal that the miraculous Jesus dealt with as well. I'm going to keep referencing the man. It's his birthday soon. We're going to talk about his birthday and maybe give you a glimpse into my fucking brain over here that me and Peter have been discussing for so long. He finds me in situations where I'm exclusively around people that are not one percenter billionaires. And this is the path I've chosen, Peter. I am an entertainer of the people. I don't make, you know, films to win Golden Globes. I don't hide in my trailer and not even come out to greet Effie in his sick blue jumpsuit because it's cold as I walk to your house to record this podcast and are you, you hide in your trailer. You're not an Anne Hathaway type. I'm just saying I'm not currently an Anne Hathaway type. And if that's your problem with me, then good on you. Now, I will defend Anne Hathaway here, okay? We've heard rumors. We've heard innuendo here that maybe Anne Hathaway isn't always the most pleasant person to deal with when she's professionally working. And let me clear this up. She better not be. She better not be nice to anybody. If I was Anne Hathaway and I had to go do anything in public, do you know what a nightmare that would be? Now, obviously, I'm blessed with a global platform with the ability to learn about myself and share with the world things about themselves through these stories that connect on big levels. Think of all the fans of Coachella who are going to see this movie, Peter. If I was Anne Hathaway, though, it is a different position to be in. And I understand because this year specifically, you said the last two years, you know, I've had a lot of the same things going on this year specifically. I've had to learn. That if I don't protect my energies in certain ways, it physically destroys me. Mm. You can listen back to this podcast from just my my mental awakeness to the amount that I will take on to the bruising to the body to my voice just disappearing to my eyesight falling rapidly. I don't know if that's true yet, but I don't have 
vision coverage right now and I'm working on it and I should have just gotten the vision coverage because it was so cheap at the time and I was feeling invincible and I didn't get it. So I don't know. You can wear that. Is it Zod helmet that you got? Yeah, we do have a Zod, a Lord Zod, Lord Zed. It's Lord Zed. Lord Zed. Lord Zed helmet. I wasn't. I wasn't allowed to watch Fire Rangers growing up. Oh, we once went on a camping trip where we were allowed to get cereal because cereal was also not allowed in my house. And we got one that had a Power Rangers toy on it. And And you're like, my dad opened the box of cereal, pulled out the Power Rangers toy set it on fire in front of me and gave me a lecture about the devil. Uh, Peter, this is not, I don't think this is a great way to get the message across the kids. And really all I can think while you bring up this sort of public execution of, of power Rangers is what's heaven going to be like. Y'all are really preaching to me that heaven is the place I need to go to, but y'all don't even have power Rangers toys, much less like anything fun. It sounds like, and what, I got to still sing these songs? This is why I think Heaven and Hell are the same place. Because if y'all are excited about going to this spot, it sounds like fucking torture. And if I got to hang out with y'all for eternity, put me in the lake of fire, brother. I, I can't hear, Lord, I lift your name on high one more time and in a lower key because your voice is getting old. I guess it wouldn't in heaven, Ooh. though. Yeah, that, did that strike a nerve? Ooh, yes, it did. I've had to protect my energies, Peter. Not in the way that your father was trying to protect your brain from the devil. And look, as we look upon, can I mention this, Peter? Is this, can I mention what I'm looking at here? Yeah. I'm looking at a piece of Aleister Crowley's house. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm looking at a piece of Aleister Crowley's house right here. Let me tell you what burning the Power Rangers in front of you did. It brought the devils home into your own heart. (laughs) Okay. Parents. It really did. The best thing you can do if you want to trick your kids into liking something you like, like you really like this book, I get it. Cool songs, Stephen Curtis Chapman, suck my dick. I don't care. You got to be apathetic about it. Like every time church rolls up, you got to be like, you guys want to get all dressed up and go sing? And they're like, absolutely not. And then if your kids find out other kids are like, no, like we have to go do this thing every week. And the kids are like, we want to go. It sounds like everybody's dressing up and singing songs and having a moment and learning a lesson. You're like, you guys are into that. Your kids would be beaming at the car to be like, wait, we're going to miss donuts and hot chocolate before we get into the sanctuary. But to have your parents who are already not cool, be dipshit enough to like dress up and be like, you got to do it too. put in some effort. We're going to go sing songs together pretty apathetically. It is not the way to sell this to the kids. I need parents. I need adult Christian parents and parents of religion to stop giving a fuck so that their kids will want to go with them. And in turn, maybe we'll just forget the whole thing existed and we'll go back to having community centers. Do you know how much fun potlucks are Peter? Yeah. Very fun. Yep. But I don't like when I have to thank someone who's not even there or didn't make any of the dishes, including the fucking sweet potato casserole, which is banging. I'm not thanking that guy. We should have community potlucks, and you should thank Miss Sandra for cooking a whole fucking ham. Maybe we thank her. Maybe we send her some blessings with our eyes closed. Wouldn't that be nice for once? That I mean, I know we're joking, but like that's that was the thing that was really nice about church that I actually still actively miss was a designated time to go be in a community every single week. Right. But I think what fucks me up now, and I'm dealing with this still, is that there is a sense of kayfabe to the entire uh, interest and kindness that seems to be built on something yeah. else. So you're a little self-aware, and especially once you become kind of jaded in what they're teaching at all, you're sort of like, oh, is everybody here just faking it because they think somebody's watching and that's why we're being nice? And so as you approach people in life, when they're genuinely interested in you, you're kind of of the mind of like, 
yo, are you just doing this to get to heaven? You're just talking to me to get to heaven? If that's the case, yeah. just keep walking. Or do you want to know? I mean, that was that was the thing with, um, like, I, the church that I went to in high school was in a very affluent Delta community. Yeah. Uh, and so it was a lot. Right on the river, right with everything. With, yeah. We're... we're Society has flourished since the dawn of humans. They, like quite literally, the town over from the one that I went to was set up to be a Delta community. They built golf cart trails to get around the city. So when you're a kid there, like once you turn like 13, you can just start rolling around on a golf cart by yourself. It's so incredible. Like, independence comes way, way, way sooner. Like I remember going to church and it's that like, oh, we're at church and there's that specific vibe. Everything's supposed to be fitting. But everyone also has the knowledge that the pastor's daughter got super drunk the night before and crashed the pastor's car (laughs) on the road on the way to the church where you could see his car as you were going to church. And we're just dealing with that cognitive dissonance the entire time. Let's lift our hands in praise and thank, thank everyone for our blessings around us. Pastor's kids are the best. Both of my parents are pastor's kids, which is... Beautiful. Pastor's kids and missionary kids, you got to watch the fuck out for. Well, it only goes one of two ways with all of (laughs) y'all, which is you continue the service and you play a heart for donations so you can get back to Algeria and spread your fucking message that nobody wants to hear. Or you turn... I guess you join like a Metallica cover band and you try you try speed once or twice you're right you know like the the middle ground of that is not like now i'm well adjusted i got a regular job it's like you're gonna continue in the footsteps of grift and not even know it's grift unknown grift is the worst grift if you don't even know you're a grifter that's the worst grift of all but then there's the other side which is us over here going like do people really like us or is they just are they just trying to get to heaven (laughs) There's a darkness that's been left in us because of this that is, uh, yeah, and I'm still a little hostage to it because there's a part of me that goes, Oh, that would be nice, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, I mean, the, the wonderful thing is that the occult community has groups set up to specifically be social groups, yeah, where you're not with just zero like, dogma, you're literally just, you're hanging, just hanging out with do you people need some are, hangout time, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're generally interested in the same things. Let's hang out, have some coffee with a bunch of people that are similarly minded, and probably not talk about a lot of stuff related to that. It's more just like friend time. Which... It's uh, there's a large kind of sector of people that I run into too, where like I see a lot of the same people over and over throughout the years at shows, and then sometimes I see that people too, yeah, and they're sort of like, I haven't left my house in a year. And this is the only place that I've been around like-minded people. Yeah. And you're sort of like, if we could just figure out a way to continue creating community without the necessary belief system behind it or donation system behind it, like the, did you donate your 10% to get in the church, like contact book girl? That's like, you want to talk about some class warfare. Did you pay enough to be in the yep. contact list of people we should yep. know in this building? Girl, we got to give to Caesar what is his, but. Give me some of that coin too. I can't be spending all of that here. I got to spend a membership fee here too. And I got to join a gym. They got a Christian gym though. You can rip the phone books. They just have so many phone books and you just rip them and you yell, it's a miracle. Your calories just stay up. I don't I know where we were going. Like a big deal when the church, uh, when the phone book, book guys yeah, came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. The church, yeah. you're the church greedy or like, you got to come get your family pictures yep. in yeah, the church. Book. And you'd be looked down upon if your family didn't show up for the yeah, photo that day. Yeah. Did not attend and for set of a picture did not attend. And you just live with that all year. God, what are they going to do if you die? What picture are they going to pull to put in the, put in the pamphlet? Um, 
Wow, we're talking a lot about church today. I know, and I was talking about uh, not lifting up the old gods of my community, and then we moved into this. Stop lifting up the old gods and let them lift themselves, and if they cannot, then maybe their participatory time has ended. Agreed. You know? I used to have a funny joke about, like, when you hit 75, if you want to continue driving on the roads, what they should do is have you take a very simple driving test every year. And you don't have to take it. Like, you don't have to drive. Like, you can just get in an Uber. We have taxis. We have the MARTA here. And if you don't pass, we just kind of we put you in jail. And you just stay there because you've kind of shown that, like, you're willing to take a risk to participate in society. I don't know if you're ready to handle it. There's a lot of people, like my... My great-grandmother, I mean, she was driving until she was 90, incredibly well, and there wasn't worry. But then, like, my great-aunt sat around on two phone books and could barely reach the pedals and was 86 and would just, like, run into stuff and be like, it's not people, you know? So I just want to balance where, like, I think everybody, hey, the same way we're, if we're going to let kids drive and they got to take some testing to do that, you know, the older you get, if you want to be a part of this road system, if you want to be a part of out here in the woods... If you want to be voting and decision making for my future, I got to make sure you're cognizant, baby, because I'm looking at Mitch McConnell going, I don't know if you should be making any decisions for anything. You just voted against uh, you just voted against interracial marriage and you're married to someone not of your race. I don't know if you're there anymore, Grandpa. We might just have to get you a Nintendo Switch. All you got to do just they got Tetris. Just sit down here and just let him let him ride that out. But voting, voting, driving. I don't know. Somebody's going to roast me for this because it's, in a sense, ages, but it's not ages. It's mentalist in that I want to make sure you're there. I want to make sure if you're riding in and you're coming into this society that you're not doing it with just like no thought or intention of who else you're fucking up. I'm a very cautious human, even though I do a lot of destructive things in my job. In real life, I'm like kind of moving out of the way, kind of letting people through. I'm I'm driving defensively. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've gotten completely off topic here. What I'm saying is I'm going to beat Nick Gage for the GCW championship. Anyone who wants a match with me, this is, I joked this this week uh, on Twitter, which nobody's on Twitter anymore. It's hilarious. I'm tweeting into the abyss that you didn't work hard enough to make my list this year. But I've never had a list, Peter, because I think the idea of having like a list of people you want to wrestle in wrestling means that you don't understand what we're doing in the first place, which is trying to put on an entertaining show with the people and actors that are there to make sure that they feel like they got their money's worth and that they will spend in the future. And a lot of people's dreams are like, I'm going to do this for me, for my scrapbook. And I think when you have like dream lists, and this is just my opinion, like people don't take this shit as fact. When you have like a dream list of opponents, I get that maybe it's with the intention of like, I think we could be so entertaining together in this facet. But a lot of times it's just, I think this would make me feel more complete in my career. If I had the participation, let me tell everyone here, There's no opponent that you can have in this world that will make you feel uh, more complete as a person. You have to go do that on your own. And I say this as someone who is, I fought everyone, okay? And I fought everyone without ever having a boss. I'm telling you from the fringes of the wildness that I was told to harness today that you can be ultimate outlaw. You can have every dream opponent. You can have every dream promotion, every dream match. And unless you're working on yourself as a person outside of that, None of that shit matters. It doesn't help. So here's my wish for your dream list. And I say this as someone who has spent a lot of outside time, you know, taking care of Taylor this year, as much as I've taken care of Effie and being okay with saying no to stuff. 
it doesn't look like I said no to anything if you look at my schedule this year, but I have said no to a lot of things. And I am happy when I'm at home, not being effy. I don't have to be effy all the time, but enjoy your time in wrestling because there are a lot of people who never get any time or maybe got two matches. Or I look back at people who are, you know, wrestling with me coming up, who maybe they're still wrestling, maybe they're still out there. Uh, it feels like a bit of a lost forest sometimes out here with wrestling. What's the next step? Where does it go? We haven't determined that yet. The only thing we've determined so far is that you make more money if you sign a TV contract. And I'm trying to go like, no, no, no. But it, I'm also not going to let it destroy me physically as a person. So we have to decide what those next goals are. If your goal is a particular opponent, awesome. But don't rest everything in your spirit on thinking a match will define you or create enough buzz to where you're like at some magic don't have to work anymore level. You know, I did see you writing your list. I don't think you published. It just said Alf. What is this list? <laughs> just the your dream. You just want to fight Alf, right? I Oh, I did have I did have a dream list that came up again. It wasn't just Alf. There were six matches on here that included uh Robert De Niro. I think but I you, take did, you did that one, right? I did that. I did yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. That was a back. It's Alf, Alf is left. Alf is left. We just haven't talked about the other ones yet. Alien life form Alf in a match. Actually, Alf has had a match before at the Elvac, which they, I forget the name so of the promotion it, they run. Yeah, there's a, po- there's a possibility there's a that, and I think Orange Cassidy even had a match with Alf. I'm fairly certain That's so that this funny. exists. Uh, yeah, have your dream match list, but also here's what your dream should be. If you really want to trick everybody and you want to get over your dream match should be being able to convince a promoter that you can provide some kind of financial benefit to him putting you on his show or her show or their show. If you can show, there are people who come to me and go, why do you book this person? Why do you book that person? Let me tell you, as a performer and a booker now, if people are into that shit and will buy tickets to see it, it's booked. <laughs> and if you think that anybody is like, there are no good business people who are putting on dream matches to make you feel better as a performer. Right. That's just not, that's not how this works. It's not how it happens. Wrestling is about selling tickets to see the wrestling and selling viewing of the wrestling. I love wrestling. Don't get this twisted. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish the art that we put on, but I've also had to come to the conclusion. That there are certain things out of my control back to Anne Hathaway. We're going to wrap this back into the center. When you don't have things in your control, when you are given particular constraints, like Anne Hathaway's constraints, they'd make me crazy too. She's got to sit in this trailer all day while they wait for the rain to come off and have someone keep touching up on her face. And then when she leaves the trailer, people want to take pictures with her. And then she has to just go back in a trailer and there's like, I saw the craft services. It's from Costco. Like, sorry, sorry to break everybody's bubble. They don't have Ferrero Rocher towers and champagne out here. This is, there are constraints being given. So if the control that she has is over being kind of a dick to normal people, fuck yeah, take that control, Anne Hathaway. I'm so proud of you. And if that makes you feel more complete and more yourself, then do it and take control. But back to this, you got to take control and understand that I've been through all the dream opponents. It's not going to define you. And if you really want to fight Effie, the only thing you're going to find out is a whole new way of working. Because I get people who come to me and sometimes I'm the most fun person to put a match with together, Peter. And sometimes I'm a nightmare to put a match together, Peter. Because we work a lot of times with people who wrestle all the time. And then we work a lot of times with people who maybe they only have one or two bookings in a month. So they come to you and they want to make sure that they are getting the chance to highlight themselves the best way possible. And I'm going, baby, I already had two this weekend. 
We're going to have to peel that back a little bit. I need you to pick your best four things. I'm going to build it together, and I might come change it in a second. And then they realize that the back of House Effie that's making the sausage, and front of House Effie who's just getting to give you the plate of sausage with the side dishes and the little bit of parsley on top, they're two different cats. So maybe your dreams will become... Uh, fully realized nightmares when you have to actually call a match with me and put it together. But I will say, as we kind of are rambling through the year end here and my thoughts on where I am and where we're headed, um, when you're given these situations, I assure you, you will feel better about them later if you just take control of it and if you don't take it that seriously. I've gone back and watched a few of my matches this year, and I've thought about those matches when I put them together, and I've held myself to a very high standard of how I want it to go. And I also would have had the exact same match and more fun if I had been as loose as I was acting like I was being in the ring about what I was doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like there is an act to Effie being as loose as Effie is. There is a, there's a bit of fame to that. I'm a very particular performer. And I think that is reflected in the fact that I'm very consistent. I've been booked all the time. But in watching these matches back and seeing what I've been meticulous about next year, I'm going to do what a lot of my opponents have done to me. And I'm just going to beat the shit out of people and see what happens. Uh, I feel like I'm people aren't going to see it and people are going to roast it. And I've always joked, like, put me in blood sport. Let's see what happens. I just want to know what will happen if you put me in a blood sport like situation where we're really going at it. Because I feel like I'm the predator that plays with its food. I feel like when you look back at these matches, you can hit me in the face with weapons. You can drop me on my head. You may beat me at one point. But at the whole time, I'm never even plussed enough to really like break you for real. Like I feel like there's still a devil's playfulness even in the end game of what I'm doing. And I beat John Wayne Murdoch the other day. And I was attacked by Charles Mason or I would have beat Cole Radrick who didn't win his championship and made me sad. If I, uh, people already know who Effie is. There's already the idea. There's already the whispers amongst the crowd. If they don't know who I am, that like, you got to look at this. I know this. I'm just speaking objectively. What if we just play a little trick on him? And what if that smile turns upside down? What if I start snapping people's arms out of place? I've watched too many other people just beat the shit out of people. And they're like, no, it was great. It was awesome. I love it because they don't want to say anything. And I'm sitting at this crux of a moment going, I can have everything I wanted and I can make everyone scared of me. But I'm not going to do that, right? I don't know. I wouldn't just go on a, a frenzy spree. It's not like I've been already at the top of the mountain. I've already tasted all the good gold and honey and sweet strawberries. It's not like I know what goes right if you do things correctly. It's not like I know what happens if you have a dream match. Oh, wait. <laughs> I know all of it. And I also know that there'd be much less consequence than I thought at any point over the year if I had just been pure chaos and just extend it even further into the violence. So 2023, what a year. Uh, I've said before, people can't tell me shit. We're at another level of that that is beautiful and magic. And I still stand behind the fact that if you're behind the curtain watching me, if you're on the show, if you're booking me, great. Awesome. But if you're at the show and you're here to see some Effie, I'm, gonna, I'm pulling all the tricks out of the bag. In the coming weeks, as we end 2022, as we enter 2023, I'm feeling a lot of things, Peter. Feeling a lot of energies. Feeling a lot of uh, mail, mail time. Mail time shifts uh, timelines. You know that? Mail time? Mail time. How does, it, how does it come to be that on one single day, after months of planning, 
the Christmas cards, the fans, and my new suitcase all show up on the same day. This is a transitional flag yeah. being stabbed into my back. Mm-hmm. Everything is ready to go. We got to talk about the flags in a second, too, Peter. I just got real into that whole Anne Hathaway, go to church, fight your spirits thing. But I think it's. I think people are going to enjoy this. Uh, I hope it sends them on a good trail. Uh, let's get into the weekend, Peter, because we haven't even gotten into the fun stuff yet. What are we at time-wise of me just rambling through half my experience? Fantastic. Just an opening half hour to get you ready for my weekend. I didn't have no wrestling to do this weekend. Now, that doesn't mean I wasn't going to do things. And we're going to talk about a lot of the movies I saw this week. One of them I started talking to you about, about to you last night. And I, I like kind of stopped, but it's... Really wild and bizarre, and I've had time to watch films this weekend. Are you talking about the mermaids? I'm talking about the mermaids in this cold skin movie, which I don't know. AJ kind of has this crazy theory that based on the Woman King, Wakanda Forever, Avatar Way of the Water, and I'm pretty sure now this movie too, this movie Cold Skin, people are preparing us to be understanding of a new aquatic life force with sentience and consciousness. All right. Okay. Well, here's his pitch. In Woman King, we saw the battle of humans in this sort of environment. And in Wakanda Forever, we saw sort of the fantasy version of the Black Panther people having this tribal fight, which was similar to that. Now, against an underwater tribe of people in Hinoch, uh is it Tinoch? Tinoch Huerta's uh, Namor? And his underwater sea creature people. Mm -hmm. And then now Avatar Way of the Water, which I'm going to see tomorrow in 4DX variable frame rate. I'm sick of myself. Wow. Um, (laughs) I listen. He wanted to go. I want to go. I want to be a part of the water. Um, (laughs) Then they're going to have the fight of the water tribe with the regular tribe against the humans. And the water is going to overtake. But then this movie came and they were like, yeah, it's an aquatic subspecies of dolphin human, and they take over the island every night, and they're going to get us. I'm ready. Listen, I've been holding my breath as long as I can underwater every time I get in a hot tub because I that first journey into the Gungan City where Jar Jar Binks takes Qui-Gon Jinn uh-huh. and Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan, they did have to like hold their breath for a minute or have like a Jedi thing. So I just want to make sure I can get to the city before I drown. Because many of us, when we're taken to the first aquatic city... They had like little harmonicas they put in their mouth. Yeah, we don't have those. We and have, I'm not scuba certified you yet. You think regular harmonicas will work? <laughs> <laughs> He's just breathing in water. Qui-Gon, don't. That's a harmonica. You think that death would have hit his heart if it was just from him harmonica breathing? Because he <laughs> grabbed the wrong incredible. thing. Incredible. I grabbed the wrong thing this morning, Obi-Wan. I'm going to still give it a try. That's just a harmonica, Qui-Gon. I remember being in the theater, that exact scene, and going, best movie ever. Oh, my God. There's always a bigger fish. Come on, dude. That fish mobile, the manta ray mobile. Anybody who shits on any Star Wars movie, let me just say this. You're not allowed to babysit. And here's why. All Star Wars movies hit people at different times. Those old ones... Everybody who likes Star Wars now, that's 40s, 50s, 60s, they were kids when that shit was riding out, okay? And then when we had our Star Wars, they were kids, because I was nine when episode one came out. Mm -hmm. And now they got a new Star Wars for the kids. So if you're going around and you're picking and choosing and saying, I can't believe Ryan Johnson didn't read the lore, which he did, 
you just dislike children having imaginative, fun, creative properties to explore their personalities in. All Are right? you also a Ryan Johnson Star Wars defender? I'll defend all Star Wars. I'll defend any Star Wars, okay? Of fucking course she's Emperor Palpatine's daughter, dude, built of the Force out of magic. Of fucking course he didn't die. Y'all don't know how this shit rolls. Of fucking course Luke had to do a secret trick to trick his old nephew, you know? Of course Han Solo's kid, who he had with Leia, who I guess it was, yeah, it's his nephew. Han Solo's always a little, he thinks he's ahead of the game, but then he always oopsies himself into being ahead of the game, you know? He also can't stop crashing planes, my God. Chewie, we're going home. Did I ever tell you I met him when I was a kid? What? At a gas station. You met Harrison Ford? In Montana. No way. He had a ball cap pulled all the way down. Oh, yeah. I know that trick. I know that trick. Holy shit, bro. Did you wave at him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he acknowledged you with his sentience? Yes. Holy very, fuck. Very, very briefly, and then he was gone. You ever but... seen Air Force One? Yes. Yeah. Get the heck off my plane. <laughs> They're digitally de-aging him for this new Indiana Jones. Yeah, I don't... Uh, what, the, the dial of truth? Like, what is... I don't fucking know. Something? The last one had aliens and crystals in it, so I don't come at me. I didn't see that one. Oh, it was great. It had Shia LaBeouf before he went a little nutso. Shia LaBeouf. We're, we're still figuring out what's going on with Shia LaBeouf. We hope he's okay. Uh, but he was in this movie with Indiana Jones. But the digital de-aging... It's where there's no more entertainment jobs. I'm pretty sure this is why I like pro wrestling. Cause you couldn't not yet, not for another five to eight years. You can't digitally replace me yet because it's built on the live performance. But let me be clear. The amount of stuntmen in green screen suits that Tom Cruise's shitty little grin is going to be plastered onto post digital is going to be in the millions by the time we hit our fifties and sixties. You think they're giving up on Tom Cruise? No way, dude. They're going to start remaking old movies and adding Tom Cruise at cocktail age into them. They've been waiting for another Tom Cruise. I like him old though. Yeah, but he doesn't like that. He's old. I know. And so he's going to go to crazier lengths to make sure way more believable. Is it like, have you seen collateral? Yeah. With he's the, incredible in that movie. I think you, I think you're just into Silver Daddies. I think that might be. <laughs> <laughs> but he looks so old. No, but like now it's like I know like he's a 60 year old man and he's just like running with that gate. He has that gate of run. Yeah. And you're like, you can't maintain this forever. I've seen when they're like Don of seven of 74 year old Don ran the 5K today. Like, I know what that guy looks like running a yeah. 5K. Yeah. You're not jumping on a helicopter, but they can plaster your face on someone who can run on a helicopter. Ooh. The kayfabe is strong in Hollywood, brother. And we're the only ones admitting to it out loud. Okay. We talked about last night, the buccal fat. Have you heard about the buccal fat? Yes. Did you look it up? Yes. It's crazy, yes. right? Are people going to be sad they got rid of their buccal fat in a few years? I think it's going to have some weird consequences as you get older and that, you know, if your face was to naturally start going into some of those gaps anyway. You live in the South and we have those gas station magazines that show all the arrests. Yeah. I've seen the same cheekbone look in like the fourth or fifth crystal arrest <laughs> yep, yep. when it just starts to sink in. Yeah. I remember going to church growing up, there was a guy and he had the, he had the, no teeth and the tube and he had found Christ after a lot of crystal meth. And I was always like, I would never want to be like that. But this is, I don't know who's telling these people that they're supposed to look like, this. do you know who's what you them? can do to get that naturally is hang out long enough with someone that looks like that. You just start 
digitally uh, when drawing you are around you and aj have probably started doing this you think so um when you're with someone for a long enough time your faces start to morph into each other it's one of the things that human bodies do so we don't kill each other so i can see myself in him through so the you morph. can see yourself in i him feel more. so bad because it, he's gonna end up getting tubby then because i love my tubby little face <laughs> <laughs> i love him listen i think that uh, the beauty of love and the beauty of being with someone this long is you get to like appreciate them at all stages. But thank God he's stayed hot, and I think it keeps me uh, on a certain level. He'll be like, "Um, I'm feeling a little fat," and I'm like, "You look fantastic." And then he'll go to the gym twice and be shredded, and yeah. he's like, "Okay, I'm good." And I will. I want that to be a part of my transformation. Um, we were <laughs> we were talking about. Remember doing the math on John Mockley, John Mockley's Mockley's, uh, birth chart? Yeah, the math. If I have done the math correctly on AJ, he has the exact same placement that I was talking about. I believe it for both of them. Which also works into the unaware witch nature of his behavior last night. You got to witness the most casual version of the unaware witch last night. Was it frightening? Did you feel it? I felt it. You even attempted some like kind of chaos magic towards the end to turn things around. It was the unaware witch versus the aware witch versus demon boy versus fish boy. Yes. (laughs) And look what we got out of it. Destroyed. All of us were destroyed by the unaware witch. It was. And look, part of this is he plays this game a lot, but there are a lot of. Bouts of chance. He, he does stuff like he'll give you advice that and you it have sounds to really good. You have to figure out what the because sometimes it's good advice, sometimes it's really bad. Advice. I'm over there and I'm going. Just don't. Just you have to trust only yourself here, please. I've I'm, I've been down this path. And then for for, for context, we were playing Mario, Mario Party, Party two last night um, with the full pandemic core pod yeah the pandemic pod was in the house me you will and aj and aj started out so nice and polite about everything and then ended the game with over 200 coins and six stars (laughs) yeah sick of it i ended the game with nothing and I tried valiantly to stand up to him on multiple occasions and just got you sabotaged mini games while on his I team. sabotaged him and it still didn't work. He is a powerhouse of video games. And I think at one point Will was like, This feels like kind of bullying. And I was like, Yeah, it's hard to want to play with him. He destroys you. But you also can tell when he's letting you win, which is even worse. Yeah. Like he's done it on fighting games where I'm like, it's been like twelve in a row. And I've just been destroyed. And he's like, oh, my God, what if you tried this character? And then all of a sudden I can get a slight victory. We switched over to Mario Kart. And the first game I did super fucking well. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I got him. I'm I'm good at Mario Kart. We we actually have a chance here. And then at the end of the game, he goes, I think there's something wrong with my controller. And like the motion had been turned on. And so he was like handicapped. And I was like, okay, well... And Never he mind. still was in first. Yeah, he had to fix the controller after he beat everyone. And also, at one point, you were like, I forgot I was playing Mario Kart in one of the levels. Oh, yeah. Unaware was... witch spell, bro. Come on. You don't think there was a slight paralysis spell sent in your direction? There had to be. Just to I was let just, your hands go? I just I was thinking about other shit, and I was like, oh, yeah, we're playing Mario Kart. Um, Friday night, I was a dick, Peter. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I was a dick. What'd you okay. do? Well, we went to see Violent Night, which we're going to talk about on the oh, Patreon episode. Oh, my God. Which immediately, within two minutes, 
because I was like, "Am I? Is this gonna be stupid? Is this gonna be bad Santa with blood?" And then within two minutes, I was like, "Nah, this is my Santa," because it just like leaned on the Santa lore that it should lean on, like this conservative idea of Santa that he's like, "Ho ho ho, and you better be good," and then he's not like kind of drunk on the sleigh and just eating milk and cookies and is kind of like a fat old magic man all night, you know. Because the woman's like, in the opening scene, I'm not giving too much away. She's like, you good to drive? And he's like, I don't really drive. I just kind of steer the deer. And then he disappears. It's the real Santa who was getting drunk at this bar. And hijinks happen from there. But we're going to get into that deeper, I think, on the episode, oh, wow. on the minisode. We're going to be talking about cold skin on the minisode. We're gonna be, which is- I like, so this idea that AJ has come up with is terrifying to me. Right. Because he's correct. Entirely probable that there are people living in the ocean that have been here for millions of years before us that are more evolved and right. they're the aliens and we're well. About and to what get would invaded. be even scarier would be if it's what's the what's the property that is octopuses go over your face and take control of you? There's like a game, right? You know, like, like the octopuses take control of humans by biting onto their faces. It's a game? I don't know what it is, but there's something where that happens. Okay. But I kind of think of like the octopuses start attaching themselves, basically. They beak into your brain so they can. I mean, as like a, like a sci fi trope? Yeah, as like yeah, a sci fi yeah, yeah, yeah. trope. Yeah, like some kind of squiddy thing attached to your brain. Right. That takes and over. the beak just goes right through here, and then the eyes are here, and then it Cthulhu's the beard, you yeah. know? That could be the aquatic version sick. that we have to fight. Because think about like if you let's say you've got to kill me and I've got an octopus on my head. Like I'm done at that point. I need you to understand. Yeah, Don't yeah, save yeah. me. Don't pull yeah. up. I'm done. You shoot me in the chest and you're like, thank God. Then the octopus just scurries onto another person. And then when they feel defeated, they go back in the ocean where we can't get them. Boom. Reproduce. More of them. They come back and make us keep fighting each other. All right. This is how they're going to trick us into having kids. And be like, someone has a supply against the octopuses. Someone help us. I don't know. The theory's coming. The aquatic peoples, the lands of Atlantis. But I don't know. I look at evolution and I think, what did we trade for our conscious, sentient, thinking, creative, poem creating mind to be so lacking evolutionarily? And I just keep thinking that the dolphins are us. Okay. I can't get over it. This is a long-arching thing. I'd like to be proven wrong. I'd like to take it all the way back. But I think there's a cusp where like, they were like, hey, we're doing okay in these waters. They got all these fish and stuff and water, which were made of water. And a lot of us were like, we're living on the mountain. And when we split, those dolphin people got rid of all the shit we don't need. But we're kind of like not hairy enough. I got to wear jackets outside. It rains on me, which is just inconvenient. And I'm thinking, if I had a blowhole... Instead of a nose? I mean, dolphins have a nose too, right? We also have money, which is really dumb. So dumb. Dolphins don't need money. No. And dolphins can hunt together. They, they eat. Get high. They sing songs. I did some more research on whale songs. I was listening oh, to a shit. whale song remix album, which is lit. I'm going to link you to the band camp. We probably should throw that up on Patreon. I did not create it, but it's remixes of whale songs. But here's what's weird. They have found the patterns in which whales sing these songs and they have found whales globally who sing the exact same songs and the men are the only whales who sing the females do not sing huh and they have found these songs repeated around the globe showing that there is global communication between these whales in similar songs and they have found the exact structure to which they would tell a whale something and it is very similar to the way we would set up a song 
with sort of choral elements and verse elements That's crazy. and repetition in very particular ways to the song. Whale songs, there's something down there more than we know. Thank you to James Cameron for bringing awareness to it. But also the theory gets even crazier when you start thinking about James Cameron making Avatar way of the water, waiting until now to put it out, and the water people are going to come next year. Think about Joe Biden when he's, this is great. We're going to have a lot more people paying into Social Security for the water and all their water rocks. We're going to give them the rocks. They're going to put the rocks down there. I'm not going to trip on it. And they're going to protect these beaches. We've been seeing, you guys heard of Richard Dreyfus? You heard of Jaws out here? No more, no more shark attacks out here in Massachusetts. We're going to go out in the water. I got a boogie board. Jill says I can stay in the sun for three hours. 30 minutes, she says, actually. <laughs> come on, Jill. Come on. They picked up all the rocks. I can finally walk down there. All right. Well, thank you to the aquatic people who protect our Coast Guard. Protect our coasts. I don't know. I feel like Joe Biden's going to be hyped when the, the aliens come. <laughs> I think he All right. I got to go back to me being a dick. We went to see Violet Night. And afterwards, I was exhausted. And sometimes when I have these weekends off, I'm like, I really should just go into a coma. But I also feel like I'm uh, letting parts of my real life slip away if I don't take advantage of these things. But I was like fucking exhausted, Peter. And AJ was like, we should go to this drag show. And I was like, awesome. Great. And he's like, we'll just go for an hour. We're going to go support my friend. It'll be cool. I said, you're right. He's like, you can't let the community down. I'm not blaming him for this. But it was, I was like, oh, you're right. You're right. We got to go tip the queens. And we got there and I'm like real tired and stoned and like, just not, I don't, I don't like going to bars. It's loud. I don't drink. Yeah. I love being social in a lot of situations, but if I have to go like this, I already know what happens to my voice, Peter. If I have to keep going like this and everyone around me is just getting drunk, I'm not in a great mood, Peter. And AJ was trying to introduce me to one of his friends and she said something about, <laughs> she said, oh, I've actually been here for a metal show before. Uh, and AJ said, oh, he likes metal. And I said, I don't like anything. <laughs> oh, my God. I just said, I don't like anything. Taylor. It was not good. So at that point, I said, listen, get your Uber home. I can't do this. And I removed myself from the situation. What I'm saying is I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect person. I can portray on here how much we love each other. We do. We love each other tremendously. We're actually planning our secret wedding vacation next cute. year. Very cute. Um, but I also have to understand that like, if I'm going to commit to going to do something, I either got to commit to it or I got to not do that thing. Yeah. And I was more worried about disappointing AJ that I wasn't going out on the town on my weekend off instead of thinking about like, maybe you're being kind of just a piece of shit. And I didn't get to see the drag show, but I went home and I slept and it was wonderful and meaningful. And I had a chance to make it up the next day to be a better social butterfly and to enjoy myself. And I hope that if you subscribe to the Patreon, you've already watched this video. It's very close to my heart. And I like that my particular editing style, Peter, is being appreciated. I want to say this. For the first time on the Patreon vlogs, I did edit one thing where I shortened a clip of Countess Luann. That does not mean there are not more clips. That doesn't mean that there is any more editing. I just am stacking things as they happen. These are all in order. These clips are what's going on around me. There are more clips of some things than others. There's a lot of clips of dogs, but there's a lot of clips of Countess Luann. And we spent the day together. We went to the gym. I was trying to be better. I apologize for my behavior. We had a wonderful day. We ate breakfast together. It was beautiful. And the dogs are confused when I'm there on a Saturday. 
because they're just, they're just like not used to me being there. They're used to like, yeah, it's weird Saturday. We don't have two dads. We have one dad. And I, I was there for them and I felt very good. But we went to see Countess Luann. Now, what do you know, Peter, about Countess Luann besides kind of what I've just given you here? Well, this has been my introduction. All right. So Countess um, Luann, she's a housewife. Yes. And it's taken me, this has sort of been my journey this year too, is understanding that like AJ has such a good understanding of pro wrestling without loving pro wrestling because the housewives are pro wrestling. I came home to him one day and I said, how can you just watch these people make up conflict that you know they're just getting paid to make up conflict? And he was like, um, what is wrestling? <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I dislike the, the, this concept is the exact same thing I'm doing, but they're like, they don't have to bump. Like it, that concept to me was like, I think there was a bitterness in my heart over it. They don't bump, but they have great feuds. And then they get together at the reunion and they talk about their feuds and then they create new feuds. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. I've kind of fallen in love with them. She's one of the original housewives of New York. And how is she a countess? So based on one of her previous marriages, she became a countess by marrying this particular count. And allegedly, this One, count... two. Yeah, well, I want to tell you, because this is actually really fascinating. Uh, the count that she married, his grandfather was the man who gifted the Statue of Liberty to America. Okay. So that's... He's a real count. You said, okay, you're like, I don't fucking... It's... I don't... I... This is one of those things that I dislike about getting older and having more information is finding out that everyone who did everything that's significant all belong to like a close. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Group it's the one percent is vibed through. Like finding out that Neil Patrick Harris is a Rockefeller, I believe, or a Vanderbilt. That makes sense. Yeah, he's a little schmimy fuck. I love him. And my favorite Neil Patrick Harris role is uh, Starship Troopers, where he plays like the weird psychic intelligence officer yes. who has like no soul. Uh, well, you lose your soul at that point fighting the bugs. I don't blame him. Maybe he's great. Maybe he's just a really good actor, but there is sort of like, like it's beyond nepotism. It's sort of like, I don't know. I feel like, are we, I mean, he, he's talented. Doug, I'm not saying that Neil Patrick, what's Harris his name? Moloch the owl. Who do we got to worship? Yeah, I'm ready yeah, to exactly. bow to the fucking dark Lords. I'm somebody told me, they said, I heard, uh, I heard you get everything you want in Hollywood if you just suck a little dick. And I was like, point me in that direction. I need $41 million, Peter. And if I don't get $41 million, I'm in a real tough spot. Okay? Uh, show me the couch. Show me the dick. I'm not scared anymore. Please give me everything. Moloch the Deep Owl. I will go to the dark places. This is This is... I thought about the other day, like how you end up being Tucker Carlson and he's from some weird background of that too. And just like the sad moment of figuring his out dad that, was in the CIA. What a dick. Did his dad tell him if he has a bowl cut, people won't think he's doing crime. Did his dad tell him that? Um, weirdly enough, a but so there's a bunch of people in the occult space who were friends with Tucker Carlson way back in like his college days. And, they have posited that this is a very careful suit of clothing that he has figured out. It's basically notes that he's figured out to play, and like none of it's actually genuine. It is as much kayfabe as everything else. I am happy that I still have this like 
like I love parts of kayfabe, but I also like can't like I'm going to go out to the table after the show, you know, unless I'm dead. Even if I'm, you know, getting beat up or so, you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a limit to my love. Okay. And I'm glad there's a limit to my love because as we've discussed, like Joel Osteen or your Tucker Carlson's or this, it's such a deep kayfabe (coughs) that like Daniel Day Lewis wouldn't even touch it. And we think that guy's the best at acting. Yeah. And he's sort of like. That's a form of method that will kill you. It will yeah. kill you from the inside. You will rot away. I mean, I don't he, want he that. He has the deep sense to go make shoes for like five years. You know, just disconnect. Do something. If real. I, I don't want to use words that people are uncomfortable with here, uh, and I'm not going to do it, even though I'm within my right as a sexual minority to do it. But Daniel Day Lewis is a British cigarette, and I don't care how many pussies he sticks his nose in. Can you imagine inviting that guy to your house? I've often joked. I think we joked about the Andrew Lloyd Webber. And we may have joked about bringing Daniel Day-Lewis over. There are certain people that, like, I'm so glad you're making your art. But what you seem like just the most insufferable piece of shit. Did you ever see Phantom Thread? Did we discuss Phantom Thread on yes. here? We've discussed it many times. No one cares about Phantom Thread. We threw it on TikTok. I think I got 100 views about yep. Phantom Thread. Much like the Tar. One time you specific, this has been one time you go, I said, hey, please do a this? clip of this. No one gave a fuck. I was like, hey, this conversation we had about Daniel Day-Lewis and the Phantom Thread, this is definitely going to garner views. <laughs> the most activity is a comment from you that's a winky face. <laughs> <laughs> because much like Tar, Phantom Thread is a three-hour joke. It's a three-hour joke about control. Actually, this whole conversation has been about control and Phantom Thread's and figuring out who we give our control to. And you know what? Daniel Day-Lewis figured out who he's given his control to by letting him get poisoned by mushrooms and thinking that feeling a little sick every once in a while and needing a nanny to wipe your mouth is the same thing as giving up control because it's the only way you can do it. Guess what? We're giving up control. We're giving it all up. Effie's yours. All right, back to Daniel Day-Lewis and these insufferable people. They are not like the Countess Luann, who is very self-aware. And I want to clear the air. Countess Luann is tied for first, three-way tie for first on Concert of the Year. All right? This is a huge revealing moment. The three-way tie for Concerts of the Year were Orville Peck, who I saw with Will, over as fuck, so good, and really knew how to ride the pops. Lady Gaga at Brave Stadium, where I've also seen a home run. And Countess Luann. And people are going, oh, he's being silly. I'm fucking not. I had an entire conversation and understanding of myself as a performer by watching Countess Luann. Because let me be clear. No one had any clue what they were getting when they bought the ticket. They knew Countess Luann would be there. All right? Now, I need you to kind of, like, think about replacing the word Countess Luann with Effie and why this is so fascinating to me and why I've had this conversation recently about like being so meticulous and planning your shows and everything must be correct and everything must be perfect and it must hit the way it hits and they must understand it the way I give it to them. Countess Luann has a full band and I found out after shout out to my good friend Hank, who has been a supporter of Effie for a very long time and has been wonderful in uh, helping my career progress said, I know the piano player, Brian Nash. I know the oh musical gosh. director. I could have gotten you guys to meet and greet, but I wasn't telling people I was going to Countess Luann. And I should have been telling people. All right, I'm connected in the gay world. Could have done the meet and greet with Countess Luann. She's a full band. And I'm thinking, the expectation's low. She's a housewife. She's going to do her thing. No. She comes on that stage, booming, in a silver sparkle dress, fully committed, doing songs, 
doing Christmas numbers, going in ham, and then transitions into one of her songs, Chic Say La Vie. I'm like, holy fuck, we're wide open on this. She's playing Chic Say La Vie. And then the band stops. And Countess Luann has decided she's going to take a little break. <laughs> so now we're going to watch one of her music videos. So we watch. She's literally like, have you guys seen this music video? And there's like applause because they have. And she's like, well, we're going to watch it again. It's called Diva La Diva. Leaves the stage. The band just stays. She's paid the band to just stay there. Much like when you go see Paramore and you're like, oh, yeah, I know all the members of Paramore. Haley Williams, Taylor. Uh, it's You don't even have to kayfabe that. She's like, these men are here to serve me. I'll be back. Watch a music video. Don't go anywhere. Then she comes back on stage. New outfit. Does more songs. Okay. There's a clip in the Patreon video. Patreon.com slash Weekend at Effies, which also features so many cute pictures of the dogs, footage of the dogs, Early access to the episodes, mini-sodes, I'm putting it over. We have new people joining every week, and it makes me very excited. But it does make this a little easier for us to get together and do when you support the Patreon. She comes back out in a blue jumpsuit and starts doing Jingle Bell Rock, killing it, dancing. And then we watch a whole clip of Real Housewives. Now, what's in the clip, Peter? I showed you this clip. Mm -hmm. She's sitting on the stage. She has added a fedora to her blue jumpsuit, much like Elvis would. Maybe Elvis wouldn't wear a fedora, but he would wear this blue jumpsuit. And we watch a full minute clip of the girls of Real Housewives talking shit about Countess Luann having a cabaret show, to which she then turns the lights back up when the clip's done and says, I don't, I don't care what those women say. I don't care what they say about me. Then performs cabaret from the film Cabaret, which was a recreation uh, with Liza Minnelli, and then I think Christina Aguilera did it again. It's a gay film, honey. Life is a cabaret. She ends the song by just yelling, bitches, bitches, bitches. And I left that clip in there as well. She also, earlier in the night, as I brought up, played the bongos. And it was set up as in, hey, come play the bongos. And then she was like, what if I play the bongos? Did a whole routine where she takes her jewelry off before she plays the bongos. And like it's like a... Like a sexy burlesque, I'm going to take all my jewels off and set them on the piano. Then plays the bongos, and I don't mean this with hurt or hate in my heart, not well. And the point of that is, it seems like they were like, what do you want to do here, Countess Luann? She was like, I think I'm going to play bongos. And they were like, you'll have to take your jewelry off. And she's like, damn right. They're like, do you want to practice the bongos? And she goes, <laughs> no, I'm not playing bongos for free. But she played the hell out of those bongos. Not quite on beat, but enough to where people were like. Then she said, we're now pausing for a Q&A. Countess Luann said, we'll do a Q&A. Then presented the fact that many of the cast members of the Real Housewives of Atlanta were here in the building. Oh, my God. We were just sitting around Cynthia Bailey and Phaedra. And I think someone else was there, too, but I don't really remember. Then she brings out Atlanta's own Brigitte Bidet drag queen extraordinaire who does a lot of the wussy mag events and hosts a lot of events. Brigitte Bidet is fantastic. I think she has a podcast maybe as well. Not sure the name of the podcast. Shout out Brigitte Bidet who went around the crowd asking these real housewives fans questions to Countess Luann and everything was on the table. During this Q and a though, they had a camera following Brigitte Bidet around me and AJ were just on screen behind Countess Luann in the middle of this shot 
for like 10 minutes. Oh and my so God. in the Patreon, you see me zooming in and you can see the outfit AJ wore earlier in the video. And then you can see me zooming in and it's us sitting next to each other and me holding the camera up, showing that we're on screen with Countess Luann. And I've never in my life felt so like, you know, you see people when they get on the screen at like an NBA game or even yeah. on WWE and they're like, whoa, I've never felt so honored to exist behind Countess Luann. Then she said, we're going to do a couple more songs. And then attempted a couple more Christmas songs. What did they ask during the Q&A? Fuck, Mary kill, and then the names of housewives or men. Okay. Pretty much. Okay. And then they asked a few things like, what happened with this guy that you like? It was, they kind of acted like on the show that you had sex with this guy, this pirate man. And she was like, I did. And I was like, there's such a beautiful, candid magic that's like, here and also Countess Luann referenced the fact that BravoCon in New York City had a stage show as well. Do you know what stage that took place on? The Hammerstein Ballroom. Oh where I fought Jeff Jarrett. My God. So me and Countess Luann are connected in so many ways. Next year when she comes back, I will be attending the meet and greet to get closer to Countess Luann. I want to come with you if you go next year. Oh, I here's the problem, and this is gonna sound diminutive as well. Our friend Matt was like, Do you guys you're still going? We were like, Yeah, we're still going. Got on Vivid Ticks or something, Tick Picks, Game Time Ticks, one of these websites with ticks. Got a $6 balcony seat. Had just as much fun as us spending full price. But you know what? We support the Countess Luann. And when it came to the end of the show, AJ did what AJ does. And he said, we should go. And I said, baby, Countess Luann is doing an encore. And she came out and did her biggest song of all time. Money can buy you class. You know the song, Peter? Money can't buy you class. Elegance is earned, my friends. Elegance is earned. Oh, yeah. And people went fucking bananas. Did a nun just walk by your window? It looked like a nun in full habit just walked by your window. What? I could be wrong. I mean, they're setting up lights and stuff out here for Anne Hathaway. It couldn't have been a nun, right? It with the when I saw her go through that window, it might have been a nun. It looked like a nun in it full like habit just walked by. I don't know anything about this movie other than like I haven't read the book. I saw the logo of the title. It could be a nun. And I don't want to give anything away. Because it's probably a working title, right? I think it's it's off it's a terrible title. It is based off the book. Okay. So they're probably gonna keep the title. Not all books are movies. Not all books are movies. And I also want to clear the air once and for all that Anytime anyone says a book is better than a movie, here's what you're saying. I prefer my imagination. Folks, books are just a tactic to get you to thinking and imagining the situations in which you are being scripted to understand. So if you like the book better than the movie, all you're saying is, I like my imagination better than their imagination. Oh, who the fucking thunk? You're always going to like the book better than the movie if you know how to read the book and if you know what you're doing. But don't think that that's some magic thing. You're getting one person's perspective on a piece of literature in a film, and it is stuck that way forever. Film is static. Film does not shift. Film is not edited. I mean, I guess it can be. You get a little director's cut. But a book is your mind. So, of course, you like your mind better than you like movies. That is one person's perspective and choice on that particular piece of material. That's all I got to say about that. I When I read Harry Potter when I was a kid, I misunderstood some of the words. And so some of the characters I had completely different pictures of. So when I saw the movie, it didn't match up to the fake version that I had in my head. And so I didn't really care for the movies. 
Yeah, the first time I found out her name wasn't Hermione, that was a real yeah, fucking yeah. dreamscape for I, me. There's a character that's referred to as Burly, yeah. but I read it as Blurry. And for oh. some reason, I just imagined that this wizard so, child had like a blurry face or something. I don't, I didn't, it didn't make much sense, but I stuck with it and I was very confused. Imagine actually reading it and having it make even less sense. Harry Potter doesn't even save the day in the end. It's fucking Neville Longbottom. So That's true. Everybody fuck off. Harry's kind of useless. Harry drug this out to seven books. If the book was called Neville Longbottom, it'd be a one book series. And it'd be him going, I think we should kill that guy. And then they would, and then it'd be done. But nobody, nobody thinks about Neville. He's in that new movie with Christian Bale. Which new movie with Christian Bale? He plays Edgar Allan Poe in the new Christian Bale, Edgar Allan Poe, Pale Blue Dot adaptation. There's weird. There's a bunch of Edgar Allan Poe stuff. Why? What's with the Poe-nonessance? I don't know. Maybe this is our new our new phase. (laughs) We all go to Poe. I remember reading Telltale Heart for the first time, and that was a motherfucker. What's the one where he locks him in the bricks with the wine? Um, the was that the Telltale Heart? No, the Telltale Heart. He put the he put it under the he put the body under the wood. Yeah, but this one he like. Bricked him in with the wine, or he bricked himself in, maybe, or made him brick himself in. I don't know. I don't know either. They're do- um, what's his face? Mike Flanagan's doing uh, Fall of the House of Usher for Netflix. Oh, lit! I think and I that, saw something about that, that too. Same, you know. You, have you seen like Midnight Mass and the other ones that he did? Um, I watched part of Midnight Mass. What was the other one? It was like House on the uh, Hill, Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. I enjoyed. And Great. then there was the second season that was like the really intense like lesbian ghost story that was really good. Didn't get through the second season about it's lesbian ghosts. Great. I'm into lesbian ghosts though, like full like not like it's, into it like that, but like I'm like proud his, of them. His stuff it gets criticized for being too sleepy, which I totally understand. But wouldn't ghosts kind of make you sleepy? Yeah, ghosts are kind of sleepy. Did you ever watch Ghost Story? No. Who was in that? Casey was, Affleck. Casey Affleck, but the girl, uh, it's one of the, who's also from a crazy rich family. And every time I remember that, I like, I don't want rich people to be good at acting. <laughs> like in my mind, theater at its core, even though it's become kind of a higher end thing, theater in the sense should always be a, like a blue collar working class thing. But I guess the, you know, TV has sort of replaced that. Uh, ghost. Yeah, because story. a lot of a lot of those Mike Flanagan shows feel like theater. Yeah, and I like that they could translate easily to theater. You didn't finish Midnight Mass though. No, it's so fucking. I good. think I was on a lot of edibles when we started okay. it, and it's one of those that I passed out, and then AJ switched over to Southern Charm Savannah. So <laughs> um, I watched this one on a plane though, which Rooney very- Mara. Rooney Mara, yes. Who is she connected okay, to? Okay, so Rooney Mara, hold up. This is we're getting into this because we're gonna we're breaking down the truth about Hollywood and why I can't get an agent. If anybody has any contacts, I would like to continue uh, doing some acting work, but I'm the agents I'm reaching out to don't seem to understand that I'm a global fucking icon, and I need them to have full understanding of that. Uh, Patricia Rooney Mara, I'm going into the Wikipedia. She's married to Joaquin. That's incredible. Their son is called River. The Rooney family owns the Pittsburgh Steelers of the NFL. Yeah, her parents own the Steelers. Okay. So, Any I don't relation know. relation to Andy Rooney? 
I wish there was a relationship to Andy Rooney. My God. No, it seems it seems the Rooney family members, uh, she has a sister as well, who is Kate Mara. So there's Rooney Mara and Kate Mara. Kate Mara was in, uh, uh, I'm thinking of something particular. Uh, she was in Brokeback Mountain, but that doesn't um, count as much. She did the Fantastic Four remake that was not good. Uh, they're gonna this? try that again, aren't they? The, the Fantastic Four. Yeah, they're doing it with uh, John Krasinski. I thought. Yeah, hold up. Let's see. We're getting into the weeds here on some of this we stuff. We are. What we're trying to say is that it's possible to be. Here's what I'm excited about. You know what they announced? They announced MJF is going to be in the new Von Erich film. I don't know in what capacity. And now this is an is A24 he a film. He's not playing a scarf, but I hope they let him wear a scarf. I'm hoping for his little heart and sake that somehow he gets brought in as Rowdy Roddy Piper. I think he would lose his mind if he was crazy, but I don't know how well Long Island can do a, a slight weird Pacific Northwest, slightly Canadian yet Scottish accent that it's a very particular voice, but this film is going to fuck up whoever wants to come watch it. Because so far it's all it's all been about this Zac Efron bowl cut because he's playing Kevin Von Erich, but MJF has been announced to be a part of this film, which is bound to be one of the darkest films released whenever it is released. Do you know the story of the Von Erich family? No. Do you do you want me to get into this a little bit? Yeah. Do we want to do this in questions? We're uh, like let's an do hour the, ten. In. Let's do this in questions. I'm excited. Uh, I had fun Sunday. We walked the dogs at the park. We had a good time. It was a beautiful weekend of rest, of relaxation. Uh, and I found out Mario Party 2 is on the Switch. So it was a wonderful day for that. Uh, Von Eric family. Now, most people listening to this probably have an idea of the Von Eric family. And this is why the A24 movie, I'm very confused at how this is going to go. Originally, Fritz Von Erich was running uh, the promotion, World Class Championship Wrestling. And his boys were all brought up to be wrestlers. Okay. Uh, Fritz died in 1997. And by that point, uh, five of his six sons were already dead. His first son died at the age of six. This was back in 1959. Wait, did you say five out of five six? Five out of six sons died before the dad died in 1997. Uh, Jack Jr. died at the age of six in 1959. And this is before they even get into wrestling. David Von Erich, they say he died from overeating in a Tokyo hotel room. It's likely there was some kind of drugs or pills involved that were stopping him from being able to digest opiates, probably in that nature. Uh, Mike, Chris, and Carrie, all three of the next brothers, Carrie eventually worked for the WWF up until about 91 or 92, I think, before he died. Uh, they all killed themselves. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Mike overdosed on Placidil. <laughs> Chris shot himself with a handgun. And Kerry shot himself in the chest in the yard at the age of 33. Kevin, who Zach is playing, is the only one left. It is a tragic, terrible story. They say that there is a curse of the family, but there's no real curse. The thing is that all these things kind of lead into each other. Sadness begets sadness begets sadness. Yeah. And in the reach of fame and when your entire family's basis, like, I'm happy I don't come from a legacy of entertainers because having having the casual nature of being like, yeah, my dad was in Hollywood or like my dad was a pro wrestler or my dad was this. I think it fucks your brain up if you're going to go into the same place. And I think we kind of see that with this, but with a 24 taking on this material, I think we are going to see the darkest version 
of this movie play out. And I'm very excited to see where they go with it. Yeah, I I agree with you because I think about that sometimes. Like, what would it have been like if I was born into some crazy family or whatever? And then I think about it, and I actually was. My grandfather was like a huge fucking comedy writer, but I have no connection to him right. whatsoever. I've, and almost it made I, he it was made dead the next by the level. Time I was born. I can check his Wikipedia page. I got no benefit. Like my mom was completely cut off from that part of her family. You didn't you didn't get to learn anything from him, but he's in your blood. Yeah. I do think I get my sense of humor from him, though. I believe it. I get my sense of humor from my grandfather's as well, because I have just, like, the most dad-ass old man humor. And, like, there's things I think are funny that are not dad-ass old man humor, but most of the things that I think are funny. If you spend any time with me in a friend capacity, I got some corny shit up my sleeve. And I'm proud of (laughs) it. true. I don't remember what you pulled out last night, but it was real bad. (laughs) (laughs) I just love laughing corny and big. I can't wait to just be an old man. I'm going to I'm gonna tell the worst jokes to everybody. I'm just going to shoplift a bunch when I'm old. Ooh. Yeah. Because you I, can get away with it. You You're can, just old and senile. Yeah. And also, like, I like to know how many old people have access to psychedelics. Because there's a lot of people I've had interactions with where I'm like, they might have been on something. Good for them. Just yeah. jovially. But maybe yeah. not. Maybe you just like experience the world different at that age. I have heard that the older like when you start having hearing and vision problems, doing like a larger dose of mushrooms like every six months keeps you in stasis for that. Uh like you like you won't continue it won't degenerate anymore. <laughs> I'd consider myself more of a therapy dealer. <laughs> you know, I uh, I have I have pretty bad tinnitus and having mushrooms at least once a year totally knocks it out. You just it lets your jaw loose. You got to loosen it's your It's the ear. It's the ear, yeah, but doesn't it come ring. from the I believe cuz I the... grind grind my teeth and my jaw I have teamed like the snapping jaw it clicks. Ooh. Yeah, it's fun. That's yeah, thank God. Thank God for the magic of horticulture. Indeed. You want to do some questions? Let's do some questions. This has been just a random flunking episode of thoughts and concepts. We're going to be talking about movies on the mini side here real quick uh, in a second, but we are going to take some questions from the Patreon. And thank you to all of you who have purchased a Weekend at Effie shirt or supported the Patreon. It helps us out tremendously. And reach out to Peter uh, about doing readings. Have yes. you Have you figured out a system that works for you, or do I need to... Like, just create another tier that puts the people in. Well, I've think- asked this question nine times. This tells you how our business conversations <laughs> goes, Peter. I've asked you on air like nine times this, about this. This is what happens when a Sagittarius and a Gemini decide to do something together. Yeah, it happens, but it is it. Are we, are we, is the knife as sharp as it could be? No, Probably I don't know. know. We need a Jerry here to produce us. Yeah. You know, take a little off your plate. Take a load off, Peter. Uh, let's figure out how to make Lucy produce part of this show. Lucy, we need you to use your No, thumbs. I think next year let's look at adding an astrology tier. Yes, astrology tier. If you've tried it so far, though, I feel like a lot of people... I skim the messages. I have a lot of... Uh, the, I'm not looking into your shit, but I'm Two like, this week and a couple more scheduled out later in the month. They've been super duper fun. Everyone is awesome. I love everyone on the Patreon. We it's have fantastic. the best people supporting Seriously. Effie. I'm happy about it all the time. All right, we got questions. We got questions. Okay, this is from Julie. What are you both hoping to manifest going into 2023? Will we be getting a best of 2022 movie list? 
I like to use year and list as watch guides for movies. I do the exact same thing. I have specific people I seek out at the end of the year and then just do like binges on all the movies back to back. Um, I love living in an era where you can just use other people to program what it is that you're watching. Like once you find someone that you line up with, like I watch every movie that David sends from the Atlantic recommends on Letterboxd because I, our view on movies is almost identical. I also thought Monkey Bone was like weird and trash, but also like interesting to watch, but it also like made me sick watching it. I saw Monkey Bone when I was very young. It was one of those movies that you find <laughs> at the like you know what the Monkey Bone is? Like, it's his boner. The, the movie starts with a cartoon of his teacher in class that has arm flaps and he gets a boner from it and then a monkey appears and it's the metaphysical representation of his boner. Oh my god. And that's god. what monkey bone is. It's like Big Mouth but it's Brendan Fraser yeah, and it's I've, 1999. Yeah, I can't ha- I don't know what it like I used to really like vulgar comedy like yeah. that. I couldn't handle Big Mouth. I I think our uh the basis of all culture is built on sexual humor because it has to be humor takes the taboo from things and yeah. the greatest taboo is over sexual yeah. and natured things and by removing taboo sexual humor builds the comfort in discussing sex further uh-huh. and so i think without sexual humor our societies would have never been bloomed i think i'm noticing a repression and my own patterning and my reaction to that yeah we haven't even gotten into this question this is thank incredible. you julie this uh, is julie amazing. you're really like, opening some conversations to us wow i love this okay so uh end of year movie list uh by the way peter i watched coherence and very much enjoyed it thank you yeah Co- coherence raw have you seen it yet what's coherence what coherence is the movie where it's a bunch of no-name actors. It's set in like okay. One I watched house. it. I watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It fucked my brain up. Right. And here's this is what excites me, Peter, because I had this idea, and I don't want to like. I'm not. This is the. Uh, oh, I'm gonna do it too. But the idea that you could take a single setting like that and take actors that are sort of in that bottled atmosphere and create such a story that goes so outside of it. Uh, yeah, coherence is incredible. And I think it sort of leaves you with a lot of questions. All the Schrodinger's cat shit was so good. The note leaving. It was just a really weird thing. Like you think about how far it took you. It's people. It's a location and it's words. Right. No special effects whatsoever. Like we need to go rent a cabin. So I looked up a little bit about the movie. Yeah. And there was like a Nike commercial shooting in the guy because it was the writer director's house that they shot it in. Yes. And so while they're trying to shoot this movie that's super isolated from the rest of the world, there's an entire fucking production in their neighborhood that they have to like dodge and avoid. While they're supposed to be running down the street and stuff and doing things. That's, uh, is that the situation we're in now? I think we've got to go. We're going to go do clerks Four right outside of your door. Dude. I cried three times. Like it's incredible, right? Like a sobbing, sobbing cry. And when uh, black parade starts playing and they play it all the way through and that's the opening for the movie. It's incredible. Oh my God. 
the, and then just the little things like the sign they've always had the if you plan on shoplifting please let us know yeah and, and then, then the you, repetition over to the new store if you plan on shopping suck my dick thanks <laughs> when he's when jay says we got to go to the video store and he's like this is the video yeah. store you guys run a smoke shop out of here it's incredible <laughs> um what do you even say about the, the Kevin Smith monologue about black and white though? Yes. Was just what a, yes. What a moment built out of 30 years of just doing it. Yeah. Uh, and they referenced being on the film set when they were trying to sneak yep. onto the, yep, yep, yep. uh, I loved the audition scene with all the different people having Ben Affleck. Yes. Just be weird as Oh, fuck. the audition scene. And the Fred Armiston for some weird reason was in it too. Um, and, and then, then when, uh, Jay reads the script and he's like, who the fuck would say this? Snoochie boochies. Uh, uh, so we're okay. End of the year movies. What are you, what are you thinking? What's your list? Top okay. Five. I'm, I'm, I had to pull up a list here of kind of what's come out. Oh, this are year. we going to share our letterboxed? with everybody i'm gonna share my letterbox with everybody here's what here's the problem and i hope you can help me or someone can help me when i got the app it was just giving me movies to rate that i'd seen and i was like just rating through it was just like rolling through the patches i cannot figure out how to maneuver this app to where i can just like easily find a list of movies to go through and rate because i feel like there's some top movies we should at least go through i do want to say i've given a i think i've won to a movie uh, I just started doing it from what I'm watching now, and I'm not worrying about it. Too you're much. just going forward to the. I'm just going like I'm using it as here's a rec because I like to know what I've watched and what I generally thought right, about. Right, but that's it. what I'm thinking is like there's and so much I've already seen. It's nice having a watch list as well because I forget about stuff that I want. You're like, see. oh yeah, I did want to see. I that. did want to see that. A little more control. I ordered a calendar yesterday to put all the dates on so that I'm more transparent with AJ about where I oh, am. Oh, nice. Because he just texted me and was like, what are you doing March this to this? And I was like, I'm literally in Australia. I just ordered a, There's you can get a printable calendar of all of your astrology for an entire year. What? Yeah. that's It's it, like really in depth too. Where are you going to hang that? Isn't that a big piece no, of paper? No, it's, uh, it's like a notebook. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So I have the ability to take notes on everything that's happening. and like Things are happening. Uh, I loved everything everywhere all at once. I really love Tar. Um, those are probably my top two for the year, I would say. They're my little... top two for the year is Tar and the Invite. Was that the name of the Pantos Guillermo del Toro? Eric Andre. Uh, uh, what is this? What is this? The cocaine heavy, uh, RoboCop demon. Oh, oh, with the rock. Yeah. From, uh, the cabinet of curiosities. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my number two. I had more questions than answers after that one too. So maybe that's, uh, I didn't include that in my films. <laughs> that's, uh, I know I'm you're, after you're I saw that, it. I was like, this might be my favorite thing. And then I saw tar and that was my favorite thing. I thought bodies, bodies, bodies was fun. like, I've I, seen so many of these movies. Bodies, bodies, bodies is great because it's also like just one big joke. This, this trend of movies being two to three hour punchlines. I is, love it. I'm fully on board. I love it. And I, you ever, you saw the mist right back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, very similar to like the darkness of these jokes. Uh, I enjoyed Men. I thought it was good. I'm just looking at a list I here and seeing what I liked. You know, my favorite. Have you ever seen the Lives of Others? 
That's an older movie. Nope. It's a German movie. No. Um, that is a entire movie set up for a punchline, but in a way that will make you cry and feel really good about the world. Ooh. It's it's my favorite ending. All right. The, the lives of others. The lives okay. of others. I liked the X Pearl combo. I really enjoyed watching both. I haven't films. seen Pearl yet. I loved X. Pearl Kid is, Cuddy. Kid Pearl Cuddy is incredible. Joy. Yes. Incredible. Uh Pearl is a joy. Pearl is a beautiful film. Um what else did I see? Nope was very fun. And I love I love how many different interpretations of Nope we've gotten this year. I liked how many people didn't like it. It makes me kind of happy. Yeah. And I liked that it took me a second to get there's sort of this Hollywood being the alien itself. Yeah. And uh but I also that, like that's, that that's what I liked about it is it was not a commentary on the Hollywood and filmmaking in general. I also think that alien's been here. I don't think that was an alien. I think that's, that's a, that was the other creature thing. of Earth. Loved, it's always been here. We I created loved the psychedelic know. alien design so much. Yeah, with the opening of the skin is so beautiful. I really enjoyed Smile, and part of it, I think I enjoyed it so much because I saw it with Dark Sheik, and I will be spending some more time with Dark Sheik. There's so many movies I haven't seen this year, though. I haven't seen Banshees of Inisherin. I haven't seen Fablemans. Uh, I've watched every version of Pinocchio that's come out. Hold on. We have to talk about Pinocchio for one second. Because that Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio is so incredible. Because I read the interview with Guillermo del Toro. And he said that during the filming of Tar, Kate Blanchett was coming in to do her parts as Spazatura, the monkey, who is Volpo's assistant. So Lydia Tar, Lydia literally... Tar was voicing oh my God. Spazatura. Oh my and God. you listen to this monkey and you're like, oh my God, Kate Blanchett's doing monkey noises. And Lydia Tar's in there just letting it out. <laughs> and you just know she was fully in it with Tar. And she's just rolling. Of course I'll do it, Guillermo. I'm an EGOT winner. I'm Lydia Tar. What's up, Linda? How you been? You don't come around here much no more. Uh, what a film. So Tar is the good. top film of the year. I wish it was everything everywhere all at once for me because it was such a beautiful overarching film. But my favorite film of the year is Tar. And shout out to Matt Justice for spending $40 on that movie, renting it twice. <laughs> <laughs> so proud of him. Uh, so uh, what do you want to do? You want to manifest another tar next year? No, I, I want to manifest good... uh, leaving, needing these. I've, I've in many ways this year used film to pacify myself somewhat. And in times where I am either trapped because of travel or in times where I am going to be on an airplane so I have to watch something anyway or in times where I'm home and trying to unwind from being effy, uh, I've used film in a lot of those ways. And I hope to now use what I've learned from all these perspectives and all these things to go back into creative output rather than just inputting creativeness to this database because the database is very large. I have many references to make and I've performed in the sense of all the wrestling I do is sort of in a, uh, I'm a live performer. I don't know how else to put it. I don't give a fuck where it streams. I don't give a fuck if it's on TV. I don't care what it looks like on the screen. Even when it comes to me being a streamer, it's all about live performance. I'm not putting up YouTube videos of the streams. They exist while they happen. And so I hope to create a little more permanence to my creative output and put together sort of everything that I've learned and everything that I've gathered on my trip as a performer as someone who is an observer as someone who is trying to experience all of the things life has to offer 
to get to the end of the road and say that I felt everything that was possible to feel, uh, we'll get there. And I hope to manifest that sort of physical thing. I just keep selling it. If I, if I can just go sell like two scripts, whether they get made or not, I can pretty much do whatever I want as Effie forever. So we just got to put the pen to paper. That's what we're manifesting. Right the cricket, man. I thought the other day, though, about uh, I think the the real concept is that I have so many well-thought-out, flushed, put-together ideas that I will never put all of the time that is needed into them to get them across, but I think the ideas have to be out there. So I almost want to just release a million ideas that don't need my time and effort any further. You know? Yeah. Like, I can't commit to what putting on the Robert Redford classic film, The Cricket, where he portrays a Ted Turner-type character. I can't commit that much of my life to that concept, okay? You're thinking Robert? Yeah, it's Robert oh, Redford. Oh, that's great. Um, but Sally if I put the idea out and let someone take it over... Wife, Sally Field. Is she still alive? Is she? I love Sally Field. Sally Field has been there for us. Sally Field was a big supporter of the gay community. Did you know that? I didn't. And she's a big charitable woman. Maybe I'm making that up. Maybe Sally Field doesn't like gay people, but I don't think that's true. I think she's a big supporter of the gay community, and she's been someone who's been on a journey with all of us. Uh, but she's concepts like this, to put them out and sort of say, like, I, if I am if I believe what I believe to be true, that information needs to be free and out in the world, then I'm going to let other people put their perspective on these things, and I think I just need to, like, fully form the ideas and put them out, but not think of these ideas. I overwhelm myself by thinking of the future of production and ideas. And I've never been a producer. I've always been an ideas man. All right. I hate that Kanye's a shitty anti-Semite piece of trash ass, dirty, crazy motherfucker now, because there are concepts that he has presented and saying that my strengths are in directing and large ideas. And I need people who are, are you talking about the rapper store? The rapper store? Yeah, he has that line about how he could just open up a store for aspiring rappers and give them all the ideas that would get them to where they need to be. Yeah, Effie's school for boys and girls to come learn. uh, A finishing school, if you will, to get you on your way. Effie's home for peculiar children. I have all these ideas, and I don't want to commit to any of them, but if you'd like them, I'd like to put them out there This is the most Gemini shit I've ever heard my entire life. Like, I will have all the ideas. I will not commit to finishing. Guys, I'll give you, I have $61 million ideas right now. I don't need them because I'm not going to do all that. So if you could just do it and give me a byline credit, I'd be happy to discuss anything further. Yeah, I. it's very Gemini shit. So for me, this is like perfect. What I'm thinking about for next year is this entire year I have really recognized everything that I love about my life and where my interests actually lie. And I have fostered those. And now I have to build a highway. Where does the highway go? The highway has to connect everything that's me and everything else because it has to spread. And that's what I'm doing. Isn't it crazy how everything is connected and absolutely nothing is connected? Yeah. The nothing is connected has been a big one this year because I've always been that everything is connected, but nothing is also connected at all. And uh, it's helped me get my bag better because instead yeah. of trying to segment things, even in a financial sense, trying to segment things uh, and think about costs versus what I'm bringing in, nothing is connected. And it almost is helping me out to reorganize the way I do my business by realizing nothing is connected. It's beautiful. 
If you realize nothing is connected, then you can connect everything. Yeah, we'll connect it ourselves. We're going to be connecting this ourselves. We're manifesting big things, Peter. This podcast will continue. It's been such a wonderful, healthy thing for me to do as we're sort of at a year end point, even though we're past a year in doing this. And uh, not that I'm just going to keep putting over the Patreon, but I'm going to keep putting over the Patreon. You're allowing us to not have to like let as many corporate invoices in here. I would love to have more sponsors on the podcast, but we also are not going to take on weird shit or like... You know, I I don't believe in phone call therapy. I don't think that's the best way of handling things. And I think a lot of people have been the same way that in the early 2000s, it was all like the Accutane and the skincare systems. I think people are ruining their credit with these phone therapists that are overwhelmed and just trying to get onto the next person. So if they came to us and were like, we got to do it and here's all the money. I like that. I can go like, we have Patreon people. I don't have to like suggest that. I think therapy is great. I think you should visit a therapist. I think healthcare should be easier. I don't think you should always, maybe it's good for you. I don't think it's good for everyone. So I'm saying we're not, we're not taking everybody on as a sponsor here. And we're allowed to do that because you've given us uh, a little bit of a financial buffer to kind of move around. Also, if you are a small up and coming business, whatever, we will put you over. Yeah, that is true. And honestly, like last night, the Sophia's Pet Solutions on Instagram, I've been using the CBD balm that she sent me uh, on cranberry. Lucy now has some of the spray. Thanks yes, to you. Lucy. You were talking about Lucy has winter skin trouble sometimes with this dryness. And she's a short hair dog, too. And uh, you're not going to use the, the, the anti-itch spray with the CBD in it that both the dogs seem to like it. Cranberry a little more. But I can tell when Cranberry's on her CBD fix. Because she is just laid out on that couch with the <laughs> belly up, you know, fully formed. Okay, this is from Bamplet. Hi, Effie and Peter. Do you think that we could someday get a Peter guest appearance on Monday Not Raw stream? I think it'd be fun to see you two interact in real time and get Peter's reaction <laughs> to the matches as well as the wonderful chaotic vibes of the broader Effie community. Yeah, I always worry about bringing people into the stream because I am sort of just chaos as I'm doing the stream itself have you been you've been in before though for some sort of streaming or not was that will maybe it might have been will i've definitely brought will in for a stream one time and he seemed to handle my chaos pretty well on that uh aj has come in a few times on stream but aj will only watch women's matches because he says the men don't understand drama and i don't disagree with him uh yeah what what are you doing on a monday well if i we can figure out whatever. We'll figure out we'll a time. Fi- yeah. It might be a surprise to come up. I will tell you, watching three hours of wrestling takes a lot out of you. It's uh, there's. I often ask streamers if they have the same thing I do, which is when the stream finishes and you flick off the light and camera, do you just sit there for a second because you've been talking for three hours nonstop and reacting to stimulus and just go, AJ will sometimes walk in the room and he's like, are you still streaming? And I'm like, no. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like... It's not, it's not that it's a bad thing, but it's just like I just spoke and reacted to things with a light in my face for three full hours, random, nonstop, and ran my own production. Uh, it's like if Anchorman could click the mouse, you know? Yeah. I'll read anything yeah. from the script. But I've done all this commentary, and then I just need to go. And then it's just it's you in the black mirror in front of you, just tuning down. The black mirror is always there watching me back. Don't look too hard into it. Sometimes you catch, you catch the wrong version in the eye. And uh, he's always there. <laughs> okay, this is from Eric. Have you watched Boulet Brothers' Dragula? If so, what are your thoughts? P.S. We need more Weekend of Bennies. Oh, we do need more Weekend of Bennies. P.S.S. Fuck Julia Roberts. Fuck Julia Roberts. Okay, thank you. 
Uh, don't watch Ticket to Paradise. Sorry to George Clooney, who's a bona fide movie star. And some people are going to be like, oh, you like George Clooney, but not Julia Roberts. This is she misogyny. She wore a George Clooney covered uh, dress with like George Clooney faces all over her to the premiere of that. Oh, because she thought people would like her if she looks like George Clooney? Yeah. Let me just be clear, Julia Roberts. We're on to you. And the numbers that are on to you are growing day by day. You are not Anne Hathaway. You do not have range. You've only ever portrayed Julia Roberts besides the film Aaron Brockovich and Pretty Women. And there's maybe that other one. What, Steel Magnolias? Maybe. I, I'm sick of Julia Roberts. Do you need to move on? I can't. It's starting to get me worked up Okay, here. what about uh, Boulé Brothers? Oh, Dragula. the Boulé Brothers. Oh, my God. I love Dragula. I've only watched the first two seasons, but I will say this. I went to DragCon uh, with the Nobodies one year as a special guest, and I got to hang out with Abhora, and that was so crazy. Have you ever seen Abhora do drag? Abhora's nuts. Abhora does some real horrorcore shit. Some of the girls are on there, and it's like a little hot topic-y for me, but then some of the girls, like they go full on, like, I'm covered in blood with a nose prosthetic, and I'm going to harbinge a witch. And you're like, that's the kind of drag I'm trying to get into, girl. Uh, it's beautiful. It's marvelous. I'm glad the budget has gone up. I will say the one thing RuPaul's Drag Race has an advantage over the Boulay Brothers is sometimes they don't have the right background music to fill in the space, Yeah, and it feels a little empty in a bit but some of that comes with budgetary growing and i think like haunted goth people don't always think about the soundtrack to their life but I'm, i assure you edgar Allan poe is probably listening to at least some like cooing whistles of the woods with a ghost lie or whatever you know who's weirdly in monkey bone who edgar Allan poe who plays edgar Allan poe in monkey bone it's some guy I, just some guy um i actually think it might be it would Someone that was in Home Alone, because I just listened to this Blank Jack episode. John Tortoro, Kate Blanchett, who did a better fictional stop motion monkey? Um, definitely Kate Blanchett, and I haven't even you seen haven't Pinocchio even seen it because you can't understand a single fucking thing that John Tortoro <laughs> says in Monkey Bone whatsoever. I'm other than when he sings Loose Caboose, which is there's a lot of things John Tortoro does as Monkey Bone where you kind of go like. There's and this is why I okay, enjoyed. But Chris Catan though, rapping. <laughs> Do they even give him a name though? Do they even no, give Chris Catan a name? Gymnast. Yeah, he's just dead gymnast guy. That's it's. I saw Chris Catan do a live standup. Have we ever talked about that? No. Much like Countess Luann, it was a phenomenal performance, and it was presented as Chris Catan does stand up. And Chris Kattan got out there and was pretty drunk. And, you know, like, he broke his neck doing something on SNL a long time ago. And it yeah, really it changed like the trajectory the of his the career. shit, right? Something happened. But he came on stage and, like, didn't prepare any stand-up and just kept saying names of characters he had done. And, like, asking if we'd seen movies he'd been in. And then a drunk woman ran on stage and tried to kiss him and attack him. It was... Probably it ties for first with Countess Luan wow. on concert experiences. And also we went with someone who is a friend of ours who kept yelling at Chris Kattan the whole time. And I was like, even if it's Chris Kattan, don't heckle the performer. <laughs> like I'm a big proponent of that. Uh, it was a chaotic night. So go see Monkey Bone starring Brendan Fraser. The new, the new Brendan Fraser movie getting a lot of pushback. Uh, really? Yeah. Because they're saying that you're, you're portraying, 
being fat as a tragedy, which I don't think it should be portrayed that way. And I think what they're trying to do with the film and what the play was trying to do is sort of say like, he consequentially put himself in this situation. And it's not just that he is fat. It's that he has isolated himself in a way where he cannot overcome it. He has presented himself in a way where he's like, Oh, well I can't even leave the house, but he did that to himself because he didn't want to. And I think this perspective on it is uh, it's coming across as a bit fat phobic, but I think we might be missing a little bit of the point, which is more about the human flaw of how we build walls around ourselves through tragedy instead of dealing with things. And I think just this perspective has set people on a wrong way. I'm still going to watch the film. Yeah, I'm a big Aronofsky, Aronofsky fan. I'm a big Brendan Fraser fan. But I will say nothing is top Doom Patrol for modern Brendan Fraser for me. He's killing it. Holy shit. He plays a robot man. I God, I... I need to because that is there's a lot of weird magic shit in Doom Patrol it's, too. Well, it's written by one of my favorite comic book authors who is a chaos magician. There's chaos magic all over this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's this very is, fun. It's by the the this guy took mushrooms, got drunk, smoked a bunch of weed, and went and talked to people in the '90s at some conference, and basically like spawned an entire new generation of chaos magicians off of this like hour long speech where he literally breaks down all of the occult tradition and then teaches you how to make sigils and it's been this like legendary clip i'll send it to you it's fucking banana he's scottish too so it's like i'm in there's some weird scots in there and that's the guy who wrote and is making i think timothy dalton plays one of the main really guys in there too and it's one of the few acting roles he's taken in a while yeah big timothy dalton fan in my house oh a hundred percent uh he's phenomenal and he kind of has like a professor x wheelchair thing going on with his magic that's so i will say that in season three and this is me being completely honest there's a little there's a little she's like a primate cave woman girl uh-huh and visually she makes me want to throw up the whole time okay because the prosthetics they've used on her to give her like a slightly primate face on yeah. this little girl with her mutton chops oh, God. it made me feel but she's like a major part of this plot but like it made me feel sickly but like Brendan Fraser kept me in there as the Doom Patrol robot man he plays Hell an yeah. ex-race car driver who explodes in a crash, and only his brain is saved, and now he has to live as a robot. That's incredible. Yeah, it's magic. That's who knows? So much fun. Doom Patrol. I'm pumped. Uh, okay, this is from Sarah. Effie, can you please bring Peter to Restival? I think he'd have a great time. You want to go to Restival? Sure. Here's the problem. I'm flying into New Jersey, and then we're going to drive four hours to Restival, and then we're going immediately to Atlantic City, New Jersey for New Year's. So I'm about to go on a, a full, like, this is going to be like a five-day journey, Peter, of oh, the Jesus. New Year's spectacle. I don't know if I can do that. I will say it is, it's cute to me that AJ sort of forgets to, like, every year for the past four years, I've or maybe three, three years, I've been in Atlantic City, New Jersey for the new year. And I sometimes wonder if that's been defining in how my year goes. Do you think location of where year shifts happen can be a, a change to what's going on in your brain and life? I think that is something that is cultural that is built over the fact that we sell that like we because we do it like a mass ritual every new year. Right. Right. People gather in one of the biggest cities in the entire world and worship this great ball as it drops and sing songs and like our biggest priests, our celebrities show up and officiate. The ball is like the death. We have our elder Dick Clark come out and. (laughs) officiate the ceremony uh yes we've now we've replaced dick clark with multiple middle-aged gay men who are drunker than you could imagine and this is real chaos magic you're just like yeah (laughs) drunk gay guys anderson koopa andy from the hell's wives they could host this thing they're having fun um 
Mass ritual. Oh shit. Uh it's Anderson Cooper, not Neil Patrick Harris. That's a Vanderbilt. Oh yeah. Sorry, Is he? Neil Patrick Harris. We're not sorry to Neil Patrick I've Harris. We've all heard kinds the stories. of slander all over this episode. We're going to get hit with slander and libel, but I want to clear the air for everyone. The detective in Tampa said nothing Effie says is to be believed as real because I am a character performing. I am also a character performing. Yeah, you're playing Pitar. <laughs> Peter! Oh, but my point is, I think that we have built up the new year in a way that it does not actually correspond with a shift in energy. It's like an artificial jump. It's like an empty room. That it's we like a placebo effect. Yeah, because I don't think that year thing is feels all that real when it happens. Because we're like in the dead of winter when we do the new year. Yeah. There's not exactly a whole lot of shifting and changing. Yeah. I think the reason we have Christmas this time of year and Easter in the spring is because you couldn't celebrate his birth and his death in the same month. I mean, tax season. Come on, baby. Which he was probably born around when he was Yeah. Listen, I think it was to the day. I think they killed him on his birthday. If we're going to really get in here, I think they killed him on his birthday. The birth of Jesus. I was going to discuss this with you real quick because I think this gives an idea. So you're telling me. All of a sudden, you got this baby. They got no rooms in the hotel. All right. You got Mother Mary, and she's like, it's going to happen anytime. And Joseph's like, I didn't have sex with her, but I got to carry her around. We don't even have a hotel room. Then all of a sudden, in the middle of a barn where he's in this manger, this little baby, these dudes show up in magic robes, and they're just like, we've been following the star. We knew there'd be a magic baby here. We came to give him jewels and incense. Y'all, this is a gay baby, and they present it to you immediately as a gay baby. This baby came into the straightest room you've ever been in, a dirty old barn where you go see cows be birthed, all right, where there's just placenta's the norm around there. And three men in dresses covered in jewels, I imagine. Three men and a baby. Three men and a baby, and they just start giving this baby jewels and crystals, and they're like, this is the baby. This baby is the best baby we've seen what a baby, magic baby. Joseph had to be feeling like kind of okay. Like, all right, it seems like we're covered here. Everybody else is kind of thinking this is a magic baby too, not just my 14-year-old wife. Uh, we should maybe lean into this. Folks, what we're manifesting in 2023 is that we're finally going to tell the real story. We're finally going to get the real story out there of our Christ. We're finally going to get it in front of people, and it's going to be so confusing to people who've gone to church their whole lives because it makes perfect sense. That's what we're really manifesting in 2023. I'm not writing the Bible, but I am a vessel for the truth that has been masked and fogged away by the thoughts and desires of men who over time have trashed the story and added bits of themselves to it. I'm giving you the pure form and I'm scared to even talk about it that I've, I'm the chosen vessel. I'm scared. Because it means a lot of a lot of things are going to come through these hands, these little typing hands. We have to type the new Bible because it's like we're past quills, and yeah. my handwriting is not legible past a page. No. It's coming. Just be ready. In okay, the winter, we, we have one, one more question. Peter, it better be a good question after that. Uh, this is from Kylie. Hey Effie, I'm so excited for the next month. Two GCW shows in Alabama, and the second one, y'all are teaming up with New South. It's going to be a fantastic set of shows. Peter, are you coming? You want to go to Alabama? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, here's the run. Friday, the 20th of January, Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to do a show there. We got 
Ricky Morton on the show. We got George South on the show. We got Champagne, first name Sham, last name Payne, the world-traveled stuntman, former gigolo, and professional wrestler who will be on this show. I don't know much about Champagne, but I'm very excited. And then we're driving down back through Atlanta, so you don't have to go to all these shows, to Huntsville, Alabama. And the first show is a GCW Huntsville show. The second show is GCW versus New South. Now, I've done a lot of wrestling for New South. I've wrestled Fandango and Alec Price and uh, Brian Keith and Mike Bennett. And I think Dylan McQueen in a tag match with my bussy sister. I want to know what they're going to challenge me with. But that drive back from Huntsville is not very bad, Peter. It might be a fun time. And to think, you're hearing Huntsville, Alabama. People around the world are hearing Huntsville, Alabama and Effie, gay icon Effie. Yeah, they fucking love me in Huntsville, Alabama. And that's where I talk to myself out of a speeding ticket by using my regular Jeff voice, telling them what I'm going to do. Baby, you got to give him a ticket. He's going 85, and my neck already hurts so freaking bad. We just did a main event up there in Huntsville. Give him a ticket. Y'all going to write the ticket or not? My neck's starting to hurt up here, guys. You just going to give him a warning? Yeah, tell him to protect the champ. Huntsville, Alabama lets out a side of Effie that hasn't been out since about 2017, 2016 maybe. I don't know what it is. There's certain buildings that bring me back to places in my career, certain towns that bring me back to places in my career from the past when I had a thicker armor on my skin in before I made wrestling all the way gay and I still dealt with some shit. Uh, it's going to come out. It came out in the arena. I was a real piece of shit that night. I think the Huntsville Effie is... He's a monster. Peter, your hair, I know you just woke up. It looks great. Thank you. I, whatever it's doing right now, it's just kind of like living its own surfer vibe. Excellent. Fantastic. 